0: The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Novice and Frank. Hi everybody, I'm the Novice and that's Frank. And we are going to spend the next, uh, this episode talking about
1: comics. Who's excited? I am. But first, we have to do our very traditional improvised theme song for the Novice and Frank podcast. Let's get started.
0: Amanda, you kick it off this time. Okay.
1: <laughs> run and cha, and cha, run cha and Comics.
0: Run, dun, run, dun, run, dun, run, dun, Comics. With Nabbis and and Cha. Man, that, that was kind of a tasty right. lick. Yeah, that was all
1: right. Yeah, yeah not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> was it really hard for you not to clap this time? I, no, saw, I, I, I saw you clench your fists. Th-
0: th- please, I had to restrain myself. Yes, that's it. you don't
1: want to blow out Veronica's
0: ears. I do not want to do that. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. first time Veronica's with us, and I do not want to you know, like, make we a bad wanted impression. We want to come back. Yes. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Hi, everybody. The Novice and Frank here. As always, we're recording here at the Nerdist Podcast booth right next to Meltdown Comics here on Los Angeles, California. Beautiful
1: and glamorous Sunset Strip. Yeah, look at that. And today, we are talking about... Batman.
0: Yes. Uh, well, thanks to Amanda's brother.
1: Mm-hmm. Austin. Uh, yes. Hi, Austin. Hi, Austin. He listens. He's a subscriber. Well, look at that. Oh, the one, the, the,
0: we have. I, I think we're up to 10.
1: Yeah, something like that. You guys, <laughs> <Yeah>. please subscribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Austin uh, suggested to Amanda that, uh, why not read Nightfall? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the classic 90s Batman uh, epic. Mm-hmm. That uh, dealt with the the, the, ri- the at the fall and rise of the Dark Knight. Yes,
1: and yeah. the creation of Bane. We get to go to Bane origin story.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that may only know Bane from the, the Christopher Nolan films, I
1: this. was born in the dark.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> <It's> my Bane. <laughs> Tom Hardy, were you here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Please oh. subscribe, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Huge you. Huge fan. Huge fan. Huge fan.
0: Yes. So uh, thanks to Austin, we will be talking about uh, the volume one. Or you know, most volume one. It is a long volume.
1: It is really long.
0: Yes, it it went on uh, for the whole story. I went on for years, and it, I I mer- I remember knowing it was a long epic. we mm-hmm. uh, were talking about Batman falling and rising. Uh, but then seeing it collected and realized okay it's 3 it's three trade paperbacks mm-hmm. so not too bad then realizing like each trade paperback is almost like 800 pages each see this is the mm.
1: danger of of reading digitally right because when you pick up a trade paperback you know how thick it is you know exactly how many issues are in each one and for me i just do- i just dove right in i didn't even bother to see how many you know how many pages were in it and i was like oh boy it must be nearing the end soon nope I was like maybe a third of the way through when I had that thought.
0: Yeah, it, and so. in my head, knowing some of you know the beats of the story, I thought I knew where the trade would end, and the next one, oh, it'll, the trade will just go to this point, and then that's a good leaping on point for volume two. Mm. Nope, nope, kept on going and going and going. <laughs> like, wow, man, this story is so much longer than I it's remember it being. It really
1: is an Energizer Bunny story.
0: Yeah, so I just to kind of set the scene, uh, certainly I think uh, if you're talking about DC superheroes, Superman uh, he, one of the big legendary stories for him was the death of Superman mm-hmm. uh, that they did and where Superman was essentially killed he was fighting a doomsday which uh, we're
1: seeing now in uh, Rebirth and also in the Superman films yeah, yeah.
0: so you're seeing so uh, yeah great <laughs> we
1: we've done two podcasts on the last two uh, on the last DC film so let's yes, let's, right. just, let's just move, move past commentary on that one
0: <laughs> so uh that, that was a, a well received huge epic they really did a, a nice countdown story wise it was interesting the way they did the panels uh multiple panels and then as as each issue got closer to uh, superman 75 where the death of superman happened the panel count dropped each issue so it went down from like you know five yeah you know, six panels four to three to two to one so oh, it was that's really cool so yeah. huh. so the final battle between he and doomsday was just a series of splash pages
1: I didn't know that and that's it, pretty cool that's uh I think that's I don't, I've never I've never read that before I've never seen that happen before
0: oh I understand. yeah it may be interesting at some point to go back and 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 read that in comparison to this this I felt like Uh, It was so well-received for Superman, Mm -hmm. and it spun off, and uh, they basically did uh, Death of Superman, Funeral for a Friend, seeing how both uh, the superhero community and the public at large react to Superman's death, Mm -hmm. and then you had uh, the return of Superman, uh, but it was four people uh, claiming to be the real Superman and trying to figure out which of any of those four were the genuine article. Mm -hmm. So it really led into this long, huge story arc, and I felt like this Batman with Nightfall was a response like, this was so successful for Superman. We should, I mean, Batman is, you know, right there, Superman is another one of our premier characters. We need to have some kind of great epic for Batman. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was just like, all right, this is Batman's turn to get his his time in the sun, have this really big, huge epic, and we can kind of, you know, b- break down his character and then build him back up again. Show him, why, show him why it is so, show everybody, remind everybody why it's so essential to have Bruce Wayne be Batman.
1: Oh, that's right. That's a good point. At when How much time elapsed between... That Death of Superman run and this run starting. Because this is 80. What is it? Which one was this? Oh, oof. Let me find out.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, late? It's late. Because I think Death of Superman happened in the early, like, oof. Early, like, 90? 91? Because it's interesting for this that you see uh, Batman, he's still wearing the black armband with the S on it to uh, signify uh, remembering Superman's passing
1: vengeance of bane was 93
0: all right so yeah so superman happened i think they have 90 i want to say 92
1: it's not as long ago as i would have thought really uh, yeah i don't know why i thought the death of superman was way
0: was like in the 70s back in the olden days back of comics in the olden days of comics that's right
1: <laughs> yeah okay so not a whole lot of time between yeah so i guess it would have been yeah an immediate call and response then
0: Yeah. Uh, And so I guess for this, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, much like Doomsday introduced this new character into the Superman mythos of, of this incredible rampaging monster that seemed to be indestructible and unstoppable to go up against Superman... I, I felt like, I guess, the the, the Batman fa- franchise felt like, well, we need a new villain that's going to come out that's going to prove to be unstoppable to, mm-hmm. to Batman. Right, and, and
1: why he's unstoppable and his motivation for all of that.
0: Now, having seen, like, as you did you, uh, your fantastic Tom Hardy <laughs> impression. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, your, your Bane impression there. Uh, uh, so you, I, I assume your entry point for Bane is from the Christopher Nolan film.
1: Well, my entry point for Bane is from the classic film film, uh, Batman Forever.
0: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think it's Batman yes. Forever,
1: That has, or is it Batman Forever or Batman and Robin? That uh, has uh, Bane and ba- also. Batman Forever. Um, Uma Thurman playing oh, oh, a, a really, it might have been Batman and Robin. Because that's is, when they yep. really have their conflict. Yes. In their little nipple suits.
0: Yes, uh, because uh, because Poison Ivy's in there <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, but it's Uma and, Thurman playing a fabulous and Poison Ivy. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ivy. So, mm-hmm. And then yeah. we've got um, Clueless. Uh, Alicia Silverstone, Silverstone yes, mm-hmm. playing Batgirl. So yes, yes and so you're Chris right. Chris O'Donnell, and
1: who I had a huge crush on, playing really? Robin. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that! Yeah, bringing it all back around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that, okay, so that was your first introduction. Yeah, to Bane. that
1: that was my first introduction to Bane. Where at the end, it, he's like his little cords come loose and he shrivels into this sad thin. Er, Guy, he's well, uh, like leaking everywhere.
0: Certainly, I mean, I guess if you take somewhere between the Tom Hardy version and this Batman and Robin version, uh-huh. is kind of the the comic book version of Bane because I feel like the the Tom Hardy version, you don't have the the injection of Venom like mm-hmm. like it does in, in Batman and Robin. So you see him going from like a. Uh, even though in the comic books he's a really yeah, really sculpted and athletic man mm-hmm. before he gets the venom injected to him. But at least that you see the venom injected and it kind of transforms into that hulking beast. But he's mm-hmm. pretty much just a hulking beast. Yeah. And we see Tom Hardy's character embraces more like just like the craftiness, the violence, but also just the craftiness and, and uh, mental skill and dexterity mm. of Vane as well that we have in this. So... So you, okay, so those are your two introductions those, to Bane. Those
1: were my, That's where that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now reading Bain's origin, uh, kind of, did you feel like, "Ooh, this is a little." I bit- loved it. Yeah.
1: I did actually. Yeah, I really loved it. I thought it's. I mean, it started off really interesting. Anyway, with the idea of it's the sins of the father, right? It's like, well, if you have a boy, he's gonna pay the life sentence of his dad, and then he does. So he's born in a prison, and he. Lives in a prison. That seems know? like
0: such a messed up sense of uh, system of justice. It
1: is. It is. But it's but it's interesting, and it's a great already. It's kind of a cool origin story. Like what kind of a you know what kind of a worldview do you have when you're a raised in a prison, but b for something you didn't do, uh, some no somebody you never met did. Yes. You know you're you're just placed there, and then he has, lo- loses his mom at what 12, because she literally just dies of grief yeah. like she just can't continue anymore and it's so it's kind of one of those things that even without all the extra stuff on top of him that's that's a hell of an origin
0: well to think that even as as his mother dies then the warden just says guess what you're not gonna be <laughs> you, yeah and he's such <laughs> a dick about it <laughs> yeah yeah you, you're gonna go into <laughs> gen pop with everybody else yeah like,
1: what it's like, you're not special 12 year old <laughs> take your teddy bear and go
0: yeah well, like he had his teddy bear mm-hmm. with him he held on to that for dear life he did yeah yeah. Uh,
1: Osuitos, Osoit- what was his name? Osoit- hijo? something like that. Little bear.
0: Yeah. Look at that. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's. I mean, I feel like you're not really solving the problem of crime in a community if you're just going to make people's <laughs> unborn children like, have to pay for your sins. Yeah. You'll learn. That's like how. That's how, How's that helping anybody?
1: Yeah. What a. What a drain on the taxpayers.
0: And I, I can't imagine doing this. I mean, all of a sudden you get somebody like Bane, uh, who goes on to you know kill untold thousands mm-hmm. of people, probably in, in the course of his life. Uh, how does that turn out to be a better better thing that, than if you would just maybe not put him in, in a prison <laughs> yeah, system? Yeah,
1: and put some time into rehabilitating yes. him. Yeah, I, it was, uh, I thought it was really interesting. I think that the whole first issue to me I thought was really good. I really enjoyed it. I would have kept just kept reading about Bane.
0: Yeah, it's like I had known about uh, Bane's origin. I remember Bane's origin and seeing that, but I had forgotten some of the details in the time since I had first seen some of these issues and knew of the character and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was interesting to go back and just see. I just imagined it was just some regular guy that had the venom injected into him. Like, nope, finding out, oh my gosh, yeah, he was raised in a penal system.
1: He was like a hardworking monster with a hairy back.
0: Yeah, uh, but... He, uh, I do like the that uh, after he goes into that, he gets knocked off the side of a prison railing, falls mm-hmm. in, goes into a coma for mm-hmm. 31 days, then comes out, then kills the man that uh, put him in that situation. Yeah. He's <laughs> just a
1: monster. He goes into a coma and comes out just an angry monster. Um, but I like the, I don't know, I love the, I like the passage of time for him, you know, because he's placed basically... His life is is so, it's in so many chapters, you know. It's like this is the chapter where he is, you know, uh, born and lives with his mom in prison. And this is the chapter after she passes that he's thrown into gen pop. And then this is the chapter um, that he's in a coma. And then he wakes up and he's like a real angry kid and he murders a guy. And then he's put into, like, isolation, right? He's basically put in isolation for until he is... In his, until he's adult, an adult, he's yeah. in there for like a decade or something. And
0: the warden hates him because he survived. But again, that, that time in isolation. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then he's so angry because he. I was like, well, just kill him. But I think they thought he was. They were killing him, right? Yeah. But even that idea of, you know, he every night the sea comes in and he has to like tread water all night to live, and then he learns to embrace that because it's like, oh, okay, well that helps him count the passage of time because there's no sun in there, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at this compared to Batman, I mean, I think they're trying to, you know, build up this man and understand, you know, like the, the hardships that he endured and how they kind of forged him into the man that he would become. Mm-hmm. I feel like a Batman, it was just one one night. One night that <laughs> his parents were walking down <laughs> yeah. Crime Alley and then they get yeah. yeah, killed. And that was, I mean, certainly that, That's
1: the catalyst for everything. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bane, he's growing up, and this is years upon years of him having to endure these situations. Right,
1: yeah. He's, like, purely, like, 100% a victim of, of his upbringing
0: yeah, and, and I of his environment. I don't know. I feel like for some reason, I mean, certainly Batman deliberately chose that path and went out to hone himself into the perfect man, so to speak., uh, but I don't know, there's something about uh, being forced into that situation and enduring those uh, horrible situations that I, I don't know, I don't know, uh, makes it seem like well, maybe you are a uh, a better person for having survived something you uh, you were that was forced upon you as opposed to something you chose. Mm-hmm. I don't know which ways. Which one is maybe, a, results in a better individual. Yeah,
1: I don't know. But I, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's really interesting. I, I liked it. And I liked it that so much of what he then makes of himself is that, right? Like he just, he keeps reading and it's kind of this knowledge is power situation. So make, they make a point of saying like when other prisoners are trading for drugs, he's trading for books and he's like making himself really fit, which for me is always that like, I would always hope that if I went to prison, I'd come out like really jacked. Yes. And attractive. And I'd well, be like, well, that wasn't a waste <laughs> of time at all. I got so many degrees. But I, it'd probably just come out like... You don't know that. I don't
0: know. Let's get you in jail and see what happens. <laughs> hey, great. Perfect.
1: <laughs> if anybody needs me, at jailbird novice. That's right. We're going to get you arrested.
0: <laughs> uh, we. I, I can only imagine uh, Bane in, uh, in his cell that he has books... But inside are like carved like little smaller things instead of like guns or things like knives. It's a smaller thing for books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. <he's> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like a really redundant
1: creative way of smuggling in books. He's like, all right, well, this book is huge and not very good. So I'll use this to transport a tiny, better book. Yeah. I liked them um, How did I, I really like the writing in this? I, you know, it was really, there were so many things I kept like jotting down, like these little quotes. So one of them right up top. Um, it's the, what's his name, Zombie? Yes. Zombie. He writes, hope is a living thing, it must be nurtured, which I think is really, and that he's referring to the mom, mm-hmm. right? But I had all of these fun little, I'm like, wow, that's a inspirational slash depressing poster that you could have up in your office. Like, all of these really well, everything was really well phrased. Very eloquent, I thought.
0: Although, are you hinting something maybe going up at your cubicle at the uh, work? Maybe. Tomorrow?
1: Maybe so, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just coming, my coworkers be like you just spray painted. Hope is the thing that needs to be nurtured <laughs> on the ceiling. What? what why? <laughs> why?
0: <laughs> well, because I I think when you go back and you read uh, an older series, you think like, all right, well the writing's gonna be a little clunkier. It's not gonna be as refined. You know, it's like you become used to stylistic ticks of uh, modern day authors, and mm-hmm. you and feel like that's like, all right, it's just it's more natural. So you always assume that it's gonna be a little. Yeah, uh, you have to adapt a little bit it's going to be a little off when you mm. read something. this yeah you're right that first issue with Bane which I had not read that issue was just like oh yeah I was just really taken along with the story
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, I really uh, I really enjoyed it
0: the one thing though is uh, so when Bane first gets in isolation and then he uh, just has that or he's in the coma and he uh, his, his future self comes and says like hey yeah you can as long as you beat this image of fear you nothing can ever he stop you you're laying
1: it on pretty thick
0: yeah which <laughs> I don't Interesting, one, that you would project your future self in your subconscious to already be like this super ripped, which I guess if you're in a prison, you want to be able to survive. So you're going to imagine yourself as super ripped and awesome looking. Yeah. Uh, But interesting that uh, like the bat, for some reason, was the object of fear that for some reason he chose that. If you overcome this, Mm. which then leads him to wanting to defeat Batman. Yeah,
1: I was thinking about that. It's kind of like for, you know, Harry Potter, it's like your Patronus, right? Like you don't want you don't know what form it takes until you like shoot it out. And I was thinking if, if Bane's Patronus, or if his vision of fear, had taken literally any other form, if he'd been afraid of, like, scorpions yes. or snakes or ponies, like, he would have had no issue with Batman. That's true. This never would have happened. None of it would have happened if he was suddenly obsessed with Gotham. You know, he was, like, very obsessed with Gotham. And then Batman very specifically. But if he—I—yeah, that was the one thing I— I liked it. I thought it was cool because as a kid, he has a fear that that you can tell is a bat, right? It's something very reminiscent of a bat. And I thought that was sufficient. I was like, okay, his fear has manifested itself as a scary bat creature of the night. That makes sense to me because he probably doesn't get a lot of sunlight, you know, Mm. all these things. Although I wonder, like, how does he know what a bat looks like as a kid? He didn't have any books.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, nobody wants to tell him what a bat is. Shh, don't tell this kid what a bat is.
1: <laughs> well, like, if you're living in prison, why would a bat come up?
0: Man, you know, guys gotta, guys gotta, you have a lot of time to kill in a <laughs> okay. prison, you know? <laughs> right. a lot of time to kill. Yes. Boom, boom. ha No, I, I agree with you that, because it just seems like... <laughs> but they the, could have left it at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, because he needs to be a villain for Batman, mm-hmm. we will set it up that he's, you know his fear manifests itself as a bat. So I felt like there really wasn't any like in story reason as he was growing up that I feel like, okay, I could see why he would see that as a visual representation of everything he's feared in his life mm-hmm. to this point. Uh, but it just seemed like, no, no, we'll just make it a bat. So that's why he yeah. wants to get Batman.
1: Yeah. I just I but I liked I liked all the I liked the backstory though. I like all of that. I like seeing it because he was basically a perfect super, you know, he was in um, very smart, in amazing shape. And then he took the venom and he was like that much more. Yeah. you know and i thought that was really cool it wasn't that he that was the difference between like this and well one of the many like batman and robin they just took like some skinny ass little prisoner and injected him with venom and then he became crazy you know yeah. so it makes good sense that if you just like pulled a cord out of the back of his head he'd be like <laughs> and he'd be people to kill him you know but this guy is threatening without it he's already dangerous and he's already you know commanded the respect of all the
0: other prisoners Which makes me think, like, at the time, when they were actually developing Batman and Robin, and they said, like, hey, you know, Bane's a popular character in the films. We should put him in, or a popular character in the comics. We should put him in the film. Mm -hmm. Why they would choose to do such a dumbed-down version of a character that has a lot of potential. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like no nah, let's not have him be really smart and uh, and athletic before he even has the venom let's just make him a big uh, scrawny little dopey prisoner and then make all him do some says is like says <laughs> <Yeah>, Like why? <laughs> why would says- you choose like the worst way to kind of bring that character to life on the screen?
1: Yeah. Yes, I do uh, professional Bane impressions. So if you if you ever need an impression of Ready any Bane, yeah, for hire, yeah, just seriously, <laughs> I just right. do those two those two phrases though. I go Bane, <laughs> and I was born in the dark. That's the only two that I do. So if you need those, just call me voice doubling.
0: All right, uh, I'm gonna have you do uh, my voicemail message after Great. we get done recording here. Perfect. Yeah, and just basically using those two <laughs> lines. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: born in the dark, Frank Moran. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Beep.
0: That's the whole thing. That, <laughs> actually, I <laughs> almost didn't change it. That. <laughs> that's,
1: that's how I make extra money on the side. <laughs> uh,
0: but what I do like is, so as you're saying, like Bane wins over the general populace of the prison for you know surviving all that isolation, you know, forging himself into that incredible human being. And mm-hmm. then when he gets a Venom, then it just elevates himself even further and I like the little posse that he gathers so he's got zombie I like bird bird (laughs) why bird why
1: he's like I love that he's like and the birds and birds are just like I don't know they come here sometimes like that's kind of his whole it's like all right, well Great. Yeah, th- I like your hair. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Mm. And he's got like, you know, a he's got mullet. a cool bird who's au- hanging out yeah, with him. Yeah. Like, well, later,
1: yeah. it's like when he gets out of prison, he upgrades and he gets a falcon. Oh, cool. well, like, wouldn't oh. you? I would, but I. But it's funny.
0: Did it make you sad that you always wish you saw like, like a little parakeet or canary that it was with him? That was the only thing that he ever carried, always? It's just
1: funny. He's like the character from Shawshank. He's like uh, uh, Brooks from Shawshank that's got the raven.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so he's got a little posse, and then he goes to Gotham, and I have to admit, I when I think of Bane, I only think of just Bane himself, and I did not, I did not remember and his posse.
1: He's got a whole, yeah, he's got a whole whole group.
0: Yeah, he had a whole bunch of guys working underneath him, and I thought maybe it would just be kind of like just mindless dudes that you really wouldn't get to know. But no, you get to get get to know these guys. A yeah, little bit.
1: I like them. I think it's kind of a well put together.
0: All right, who's your favorite yeah. member of Bane's posse?
1: I think Bird is hilarious. I'm kind of like, what? <laughs> it's just so funny. And he like birds come like- to me. Mm. <laughs> They attack people. It's whatever. Like if I need, need a little song, call me. I'm Bird. Like I don't know what. It, like why he's just like always carrying seed in his pocket, or like what the deal is. Fine it. Um. So I thought that was kind of funny, and I like Zombie. In the, I I think Zombie's interesting from the get go. He's kind of he feels. You don't really know why, but he automatically feels protective over this mom and her baby, and then he feels guilty. It struck me as a little weird that. He says he's like, well, I, f- I feel I felt guilty that once he went into Gen Pop, I couldn't keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, were you protecting him before that, or, or were you just hanging out with your mop?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, I mean, I guess like you see somebody that's an innocent, yeah, uh, made to pay for somebody else's crime, and then you know the mother of that child. I guess you can't help but feel like uh, if there's something still decent within a person like that, yeah, that you feel that. But for it, to have him have that that sense of compassion and protection. Protectiveness towards Bane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting, but only really towards Bane, right? Uh, only that. Yeah,
1: it's an interesting trait in a villain. He's kind of like a chemist who looks like he's dying, who has an like an affinity and a not an affinity, but this a sense of duty and feeling protective towards this kid who ends up becoming you know this mastermind. I, it, it's, he's interesting. He's an interesting character. That's he's a character that I feel like I still don't know a whole lot about, but those very specific traits, I would watch something just on him. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so we find out that Bane, of course, he bird is from Gotham City, mm-hmm. uh, and talks about <laughs> it's Batman. Like, it's the
1: best place in the world. Yeah. I guess Batman runs it, and what? it's like Bane goes, Ur-ur-ur! "What?
0: <laughs>
1: batman. Did you say, Bat,
0: Man?" Mm. Yeah. I uh, tell me more about this Gotham. Yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bane says, "All right, if I, you know, Batman, he's in Gotham City. I'm gonna have to go to Gotham and figure out what the deal is." Mm-hmm. But I like wh- what's cool is that Bane doesn't just go and take Batman head on. He's smart. He's strategy. He's been reading about strategy. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's been reading, maybe a variety of different philosophers, uh, tacticians.
1: Yeah. Instead of sleeping, he meditates for four hours a night. Yeah. Just instead of sleeping. What?
0: Uh, so he he basically just kind of su- uh, surveils Batman mm-hmm. and, try to, and tries to figure out what makes Batman tick. And I thought that was a really cool approach instead yeah. of headed, going at him right head on.
1: Yeah, and his conclusion is that, Bath- ba- <laughs> that Batman is Gotham. So the more he knows about Gotham, the more he feels he knows Batman and knows how to take him on.
0: Yeah, and he realizes that uh, Batman, well, uh, he won't kill somebody. Mm-hmm. He yeah. will go out of his way to protect and save somebody rather than kill someone else.
1: Right, which is so funny because it's like he learns that right off the bat. And the second, no pun intended, and uh, the second that the authorities come to see a scene that his goon, that the, the, when the attack with the mob, with the mob boss, No-Nos, what's the name, No-Nos? Oh, yeah. So-and-so. They walk in and they're like, ah, Batman must have done this, I guess. He's gone crazy. And it's like, you've been working with Batman for years and you don't realize his MO is that he doesn't kill people?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy
1: comes into Gotham. And watches it for like a week, and he's like, "No, oh, all right." So Batman doesn't kill anybody; that's his thing. Cool. And the cops come in, they see all the bodies across the floor, They're like, "Well, I guess Batman's gone crazy." Yeah,
0: I know it's that's like, what you was... guys—the
1: worst police officers <laughs> ever.
0: And speaking of police officers, if uh, do you watch Gotham at all?
1: I don't. I don't.
0: No, it's, you're not missing anything. Oh, uh, burn.
1: Burn from Frank.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty sick one, huh? You're not missing anything. <laughs> sick burn. Take that, you guys. You know,
1: what's funny is I had it on my queue for a long time, and then I kept hearing that same thing from a lot of people. And I was like, well, I guess that I won't watch it
0: then. No, uh, what you should do instead is read Gotham Central. Okay. That is everything the Gotham TV show should be. It's
1: about a high school? Because it sounds like it.
0: It is. Uh, it's all about the Gotham City Police Department. That it happens present day with Batman in it, so it's Mm -hmm. like, how does a police department act uh, when you have to deal uh, when you're working in a city where Batman exists as well as all the villains that he fights?
1: Lots of paperwork.
0: Lots of paperwork, but it's also you see like, but everything it's it's basically like Hill Street Blues, Mm -hmm. but set within Gotham City. Cool. That's cool. And so Batman uh, pops up like maybe like in a panel or two occasionally, but you're seeing it all from the cops' perspective. They all have lives, are really just they're wonderful characters created here. Uh, and you get to see what it's like. They're resentful of Batman because they're police officers. They have a sense of pride. We should be able to take these down. And they feel reaching out to Batman is uh, they're not – sometimes they have to do that, but they're not proud of it. They don't want to do that. They kind of resent that they have to reach out to Batman at some points. Yeah. Which I think that is, that's uh, thats really cool that you'd find out these people – no, no, we're not like all, you know, bumbling cops. You know, we're actually competent – and, you know, we don't like to feel like that we can't do our full job entirely, that we have to, at some point, rely on you. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. no, it's re- it's a really great series.
1: That's interesting. All right.
0: Cannot highly recommend it. That
1: enough. was a good pitch.
0: Yes. Yeah, I liked it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. Yeah. No problem.
0: Uh, but one character's in there, that, and one why reason why I brought up the Gotham, is Harvey Bullock. And uh, so we, and it's, he's gone through a lot of kind of var- variations, or kind of, you know, tweaks in his character and personality throughout the years that he's been of the comic books there. Uh, here, like, yeah, I guess you go back to more of the earlier stages of Harvey, Harvey Bullock where he's just like, just a gross, just a gross dude. Where you see him when he's in the Commissioner it's Gordon's like office and he's just jamming pizza. pizza <laughs> in his face. I know, I was
1: like, who is this guy? Like, they made such a, a point of showing him like shoving all that pizza into his face. I was like, this guy's gotta be like an actual character that I should know. Just well, so we'll nice. know more, but yeah, he's like really slovenly.
0: Yeah, and interesting to see they made that they got so much more out of that character. You know, when they just kind of moved away from like they we're just gonna have him be just a gross dude who just likes to eat grease food, greasy food, and just be a bit like be a Ew. pig. Yeah, <laughs> and they kind of just really got more in depth into his character. But it's it's interesting to go back to kind of towards the beginning of his character introduction into the series, and like. Phew man i don't know about this guy it's like, this guy
1: is just that one villain from cap from captain planet <laughs> it's like all he does is just shove it's like every time they show him he's like shoving food in his mouth
0: it's all oh yeah and littering littering man
1: <laughs> littering am i right <laughs>
0: that's right yeah okay. guys we're stopping talking about comics guys don't litter littering don't litter yeah uh, but, and we find out what ba- Bane's plan is, is that he knows Arkham Asylum exists there in Gotham, and that's the worst of the worst.
1: Which I thought was really smart. Like yeah. a really cool way of tying everything in.
0: Our house in there. So he wants to do a big jailbreak. He steals all these weapons, as well as all these kind of missiles and stuff. And he, his plan is he's going to break open the, uh, the walls of Arkham, let the bad guys loose, and kind of wear Batman down.
1: That whole sequence is pretty crazy. You're like, what's going on? Like, the fight sequences in this, I'm like, what? There's not a whole lot of dialogue. No. Which is fine, because they're fight sequences, but they're pretty long. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> how, did he get kicked in the face? Like, I have to go back and look at it again. But I like that they're going through it, and the cops show up, and they're like, what happened to the r- roof? Like, they don't, they have, just have no idea. And I think that's how it is with something like that. Yeah. You know?
0: and I feel the like Bane's idea is that certainly if you're going to get all these bad guys out, they need somebody that's kind to kind of galvanize them kind of you know direct them and so they think of course you got to get the Joker hmm. he's but I always feel like it's having the Joker relying on Joker to make your plans work is always a dicey proposition because yep. he's—I mean—he's a literal wild card. Yeah, it's he, a
1: terrible idea.
0: Yeah, he can do anything. I mean, just because he's insane, mm-hmm. so you can—you can never rely on him to do exactly what you want to do. And you can't imagine that whatever your big plans are, that he's going to just step in line. He's going to want to do something of his own, even if it's like in his best interest. He's still going to screw around.
1: He wants to watch the world burn.
0: That's true, mm-hmm. uh, but you just uh, interesting just seeing the Joker just being just—you know—picking up shotguns, just you know, shooting people, just being yeah. Just, yeah.
1: He's like ha 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 pow. <laughs> 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 it's like all of this dialogue, like.
0: <laughs> and it's interesting, uh, like Jim Opero's approach to the Joker. Just where you've got the really super elongated Angular,
1: jaw, elongated. his mouth is always open. He's always mid laugh.
0: Yeah, that's just a creepy. I mean, I guess He's scary I, looking. Yeah, and when I think a Joker, I think you know, some, more often than not, of Jim Opero. just because the way you know, just a big, huge, open mouth all mm-hmm. the time, and it does look a little. Unbelievable! kind of—it's it's certainly more of a caricature than like a real human being, but well, it, it kind of works.
1: And that—I mean—that of course is before you saw Jared Leto, and now all you think about—you when you think of the Joker is just Jared Leto, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. With yeah, his caps and stuff. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh, but what was that? What he has tattooed on his forehead was it uh, damaged? Yeah, yeah. damaged. Mm, great stuff. <laughs> Great stuff there, guys. Sorry to bring it back. <laughs> if you want to read a really good Joker story, uh-huh. then you should read Gotham Central uh, issues 12 through 15.
1: Is that weird, though? Because we've done that before where it's like, okay, so it made sense when we did like the um, the crossover JLA,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? But is it weird to just read? In, in this one, do those stand alone? I don't have to read the issues before it. It's always no. weird to me. It's always funny when it's like read 32 through 36.
0: No, it, no. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Like if you've read all the way from the first issue, mm-hmm. in terms of you know character moments and things like that, uh, they're kind of enriched because you see some. You know, they pick up on story story points that have been leading up along the way. Mm-hmm. But just in and of itself, what you read in those four issues, you get a, a complete story in there. Cool. Uh, I, I mean, it's still. Ma- if anything, it's going to make you want to read more about those characters than about that universe at Gotham Central. Great. But in terms of the Joker, uh, it's uh, he's presented in such a realistic fashion. just you know, uh, And a lot of that, you can see David Goyer, who wrote uh, Dark Knight Rises, uh, you can, or uh, Dark Knight, just lifted a lot of that stuff in terms of uh, what he had Heath, Led- Heath Ledger's version of the Joker do mm-hmm. in the film.
1: Which is such a great grounded, I think. To, as grounded as that character can be, it's a really great approach. Yeah. You know, I like... I. I'm very particular with crazy, right? Because you can you can be crazy, but real crazy people, and we all know them, right? Real crazy people have a reason they do what they do. They have a motivation. You know, it's whether it's that the government is... is They've got this plot against them or, you know, whatever it is. They, they hear somebody speaking to them. You know, it, it, people in the world and I and I always like seeing that in comic books that you know, whether I know crazy is it's like mentally ill or whatever, but especially the Joker, you know, I wanna know his brand of crazy. You can't just be like he's not gonna like hand you a can of cocoa and be like, this is Tuna Fish. Like it's not the kind of crazy that he is. You know, he's got a really specific brand of crazy. And I always wanna know why. Like why that what brand of crazy he is. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Uh, I well like I think then, man again, I know we're I mean we we're supposed to be talking about uh, nightfall, but mm. uh Gotham Central, I feel like those issues you're gonna see i mean you you get to see uh Joker's brand of crazy mm. and what he thinks and what he wants uh you understand that you know he what he, what he has a short game and a long game, and they both have they both intertie with each other and you can- see that he's doing something terrible but it's just a setup for a much longer game that he's playing, which is even creepier and weirder.
1: Great, so, that's cool. Well, it's cool go. seeing, yeah, it is cool seeing this big wide, wide mouth version in here, and seeing the second he's out, he's like, woohoo! Like he doesn't. Yeah, and it's so funny because his immediate response isn't like, let's escape. It's like, let's run this place.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't
1: that funny? It's not like we should all get. Out of here, and I will run away, and then like go to the underground, and then plot. He's just like, "Let's run this place. <laughs> this is ours now." Um, and he goes and gets Arkham, mm-hmm. who I was not familiar with. I never considered there was like a Mister Arkham. Yeah, that that
0: I don't think that wasn't the original. There wasn't an original it's character like, like Junior or something. Yeah, right? but they kind of introduced that character later, which makes sense. It's like, well, if this is called Arkham Asylum, then. Who created this asylum? Oh, wait, it's maybe somebody with the last name of Arkham, and they introduce that character later, and you're like, oh, okay, this is, you know, like this family called Arkham mm-hmm. was, you know, they're kind of overseeing this whole asylum.
1: And he's like working there, and I, it's so funny because he's contemplating, he's like, well, this could just be be My place, like it's my, you know, it's my insane asylum and it's mine. This, that, and it's like, yep, now you're here for always.
0: Yeah, I mean, I gotta imagine you, you couldn't help but go a little bit mad on your own if mm-hmm. you are running a place like that.
1: I like that idea. I like the idea of like, well, I've surrounded myself with madness and I'm here, you know, and then I could be mad. And I, it, it made me again, I should stop lingering on this film, but it made me that's not oh, that's Austin. Hey, buddy, Austin just texted me. Oh, my goodness, what hey are the guys, odds? <laughs> uh, but uh it it made me again wish that they had incorporated that into like Harley Quinn
0: in the movie
1: again which I keep saying I'm not going to talk about but that's you know i think that right like if you're this amazing you've got this amazing mind and they always say there's just you know 2 degrees from insanity and brilliance you know if you're like if you surround yourself with crazy all the time you know what do you become that do you absorb that a little bit you know so it's interesting what did, what did you think of the of the art in
0: this? It, uh, there's another artist that uh, works on a lot of this. There's, we've got uh, Graham Nolan who works on a lot of the issues as well as Norm Berfogel. Uh, and I, uh, out of, for some reason, it was interesting to go back in for Graham Nolan because I remember like when these issues first came out and I saw them and I'd kind of peruse them and I, I didn't really buy a lot of them but I'd flip through them and uh, like Graham Nolan always just seemed like a, you know, just a, like a generic artist. Like if, in my mind, it's like, all right, if you needed to make a deadline, you, you know, Get Graham Nolan because he's going to get it done, and it's not going to be flashy, but it's going to be competent storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it, interesting, going back in here and and looking at some of the art, and it's like, hey, no, no, it's actually better. It holds up better than I thought it was going to, and I have less of the idea of like, oh, it's just kind of just, you know, you just picked out some guy that can just, you know, just a solid a solid craftsman. You just, but not like a journeyman artist. Mm-hmm. It's actually, like, oh no, there's actually some nice little moments in there. Yeah. Uh, but Norman Folk, I've always had a little soft spot for soft spot soft spot for him. I mean, it's very. Very stylized uh, compared to like Jim Aparo mm-hmm. and uh, Graham Nolan. So out of the three of those guys, which one did you kind of enjoy the most?
1: I don't know because it's hard for me to. It's it's hard for me to pick which because they they each did different issues, right? Is mm-hmm. that it? Who did the first one?
0: Uh, the first one was Graham Nolan.
1: I think that the for, I don't know why it always comes back to color for me. I think the color in this one is really interesting. They do a lot of like silhouetting, which is cool, and a lot of these colors that I think are pretty unexpected. You know, you got the dialogue bubbles, which are this really bright, vivid yellow and uh, not dialogue, but well, it's it's zombies dialogue. But a lot of these really cool blues, a lot of them are almost um, like diachromatic. Right. So you'll have like these complementary colors right on top of each other. So you have like a blue wall with the yellow bird, you know, and then it'll switch. It'll be like the yellow. But whereas like, oh, that must be hope. And they switch it and it's like the yellow or the bars holding him in. You know, when there's blue in the background. So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's really interesting. Um,
0: yeah, it's, uh, I think for many people, they have, uh, particular artists are like, that's their version of Batman. Hmm. And for some people, uh, it may be like Dick Sprang, if you like some of the more like the 40s kind of look there, mm-hmm. which is more cartoon poppy, kind of oversized props that they're fighting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, it's Neil Adams because uh, kept brought that sense of gritty realism back into the series, mm-hmm. uh, especially right after the TV show kind of came and kind of waned. Uh, for other people, it's Wayne. G- Wayne. <laughs> kind of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> uh, but then for other people, it's Jim Apparel. Jim Apparel uh, worked on uh, Batman books for a long period of time. He also did Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, where, which is Batman's team-up series. Uh, with uh, l- most of the, the writer, they most commonly worked, most often worked with, is Bob Haney on there, but. Uh, I felt like Jim Apparel, there is, a I have a soft spot for Jim Apparel for sure. Uh, and I feel like this Jim Apparel that we're seeing, this is towards the end of his career. And he's, like many artists, they kind of get up there in years. Some of them, you know, they just, you, know, they, you can see what made them great, but they're not at the top of their game anymore. Mm. And I just feel like, what we're seeing here is like, okay, Jim Apparel, it's not the best Jim Apparel.
1: That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at now the different issues to kind of compare, and that's... That's who, like, if I were to pick one that I thought you would like, it'd be Jim Aparo.
0: Yeah. The, oh, man. I Just, like, uh, there is some, just some, I think even, like, Batman and the Outsiders, which came out in the mid-'80s, uh, that he did with Mike W. Barr, and it's Batman, basically leaves the Justice League and starts his own little super team. He's mm. got, like, Black Lightning, Katana, who was in Suicide yeah, Squad. That was where well, he was, she was first introduced. Was she? Eh, eh. <laughs> she, was, she was so much more interesting as a character in in Batman and the Outsiders. Her there's design so much... is
1: so cool in the books I've seen.
0: Well, I feel like now all they seem to focus on is like, hey, guess what? She has a sword that has her does her dead husband's soul in it. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, is like everything that's been in the beginning, but it's like, you know, but she's also a human being, too. And yeah. it's, she doesn't spend every moment of her, every single moment of her day thinking about her dead husband's soul inside her sword. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. I feel like that's all they, they, they're like, that's her big selling point as a character. That's cool. Let's just only th- Mentioned that about her and nothing else.
1: Not about her training or anything. So that's cool. So he spins off. Her, so he leaves the Justice League. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm over it. What happens?
0: Uh, so then, yeah, he has. He has like a. Uh, he has his own team that he puts together, and they stand together for a while. But I feel like Batman. He's never really good relinquishing control. If Batman's running something, he's. Yeah. He's in, he's yeah. In
1: it. He's kind of a, a micromanager.
0: Yeah, and so <laughs> even. His best plans of putting a team together that's gonna to be you know run underneath him. At some point, they're all like they're gonna start kind of brushing up against Batman as well. It's like, hey, you know, hey, we're grown people too. you on
1: my cape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back so, up.
0: So eventually, he ends up having to he moves away from the team because the team's like, come on, we you know, please st- get off our backs and st- stop <laughs> yeah. being on our backs so much. I'm
1: so Batman.
0: Yeah. Stop being so Batman. Yeah. Uh, the Jim and
1: Pear stuff is interesting because it's like giant text. Yes. In every on every page. Like zoom, crack, pa, <laughs> pow, you know, like all of these. Baum, that's one. That's what does this say? Bac, baum, Baum, Ooh, baum, yes. baum. And then there's one that says choom. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Like, well,
0: virus. there was one, the the one sequence where uh, he goes up against the Joker and scarecrows there as well, and it kind of douses him with this fear gas. But all it does is make Batman mad and makes him think about Jason Todd. Who was the Robin that the joker, at least at the time he's been since brought back into the DC universe, but at the time he had killed that was a Robin that joker killed, and they kind of really sent Batman off the deep edge for a little while. So this is kind of like a, a moment after all this for the Batman to kind of come face to face with the Joker, and just you see just him just laying a beat down, yeah. on the Joker after that, which is fun. yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah.
1: What, since you brought up Robin, what is what Robin's just like cutting that shirtless guy's hair? What's he doing? It's like one of the most homoerotic, pa- like unintentionally homoerotic panels that I've ever seen.
0: It is, uh, so Jean-Paul, uh, Jean-Paul Valley.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jean-Paul. He's like, Jean-Paul. He's like, stop moving, Jean-Paul. I was like, wow, I, they're dating each other hard.
0: I had forgotten, because uh, so Jean-Paul, he was a character called Azrael. And oh, yeah, okay. Yes, right. so he was in a miniseries that uh, Dennis O'Neil and Joe Quesada, who became a big uh, uh, guy at Marvel, uh, I mean, he started off as editor in chief and then moved on so he's now part of the Marvel Entertainment mm-hmm. but uh, they created that character in the Batman universe and he it was with the Order of St. Dumas it was a, an order of monks that had chosen this man and he's got special abilities and, and whatnot. Uh, so he had his own little miniseries there, and then he kind of got sucked into the Batman universe And I, I I mean, I knew he plays a part in the story, but I've forgotten that this is how he gets introduced into the story. And I was like, what? Right. So weird, like, as a haircut. Yeah,
1: it's bizarre. It's like, (laughs) what do you even, and it's like, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, I guess now we're seeing Robin as a stylist? Yeah. I don't know.
0: I know you fight crime, but I did not know you styled hair.
1: Yeah. Who knew that extra skill? Acrobatics and fierce styling.
0: Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. So we see that Jean-Paul has a bigger role to play in this whole entire story. Because mm-hmm. uh, we found out Bane's plan is that he wants to set all these criminals loose, they're going to wear Batman down, and then eventually Bane is going to go and break him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a man that uh, wants to beat fear, yeah. Uh, I don't know, do you feel like this is the cowardly way to attack what you think is something to overcome your biggest fear, or is it shrewd strategy?
1: I think it's a little bit of both, because I think that... I understand why he releases all the inmates of Arkham because he came from a place where he was worshiped by inmates. Those are the people, those are his people. Those are the ones he knows he can control, you know? So, I think I understand the strategy that strategy of of picking that group of people to release all over Gotham. But as far as um yeah, as far as being like, well, I, I, Bane, he kind of strikes me as somebody who has put so much into his own study and training that he's like, I want to get him when he's at his healthiest, when he's like, prim- you know what I mean, when he's primed, and then I want to take him down at his strongest. Mm-hmm. Is more kind of what I would think his mindset would be. So, That's what I thought too. Yeah, so I understand the idea of like wanting to run these, this these prisoners of Arkham, I think that makes good sense because he's basically going back to all he's ever known. And you have to remember that, right? He's like, he's only ever known being in prison. Um, So it's like, these are my people. Um, But I also, but but I also, I think there's a conflict there a little bit. I would think that he'd be like, yeah, man, I want to let him know I'm coming. Like, let him know I'm coming so he can get trained and well-fed and well-rested and then I'm going to beat the shit out of him in front of everybody.
0: Yeah, because there's something about, like, at, at the end, when, when Bane kind of has a confrontation with Batman, he comes to Wayne Manor, beats up Alfred, and says, I guess what Bruce Wayne, I'm going to lay it down on you right here. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of just mad at Batman for not really putting up much of a fight. And, like mm-hmm. When his whole plan all and all these issues, issues we've been reading subsequent to this, it's all about breaking him down both mentally and physically. Right. Uh, to this point where he's pretty much kind of at one of his lowest points, him to come in and do this and so how could you be mad at somebody not putting up uh, Don't why aren't you putting up a fight when uh, you know I've been (laughs) basically making you sure at this point you'd be this worn down
1: yeah yeah.
0: so if he wanted uh, so I I was like why are you getting mad if you wanted to beat him at his best then Mm -hmm. you should have just gone right at him
1: yeah well and if they had kind of explored his fear a little bit like his actual fear if they explored Bane's fear of of what if I can't like what if I can't take him down then I would understand because it'd be like, well, I want you at your strongest, but also I kind of want you not at your strongest. But I didn't see any of that exploration. So
0: That's such a cool thing. To, if we would have had a couple moments to mm-hmm. understand why he chose that philosophy. And, and there's a, a sense of fear, mm-hmm. even though he thinks he's trying to, he's, he's being brave. He's actually being kind of cowardly to mm-hmm. kind of beat his biggest fear.
1: Yeah, I could have, I would have enjoyed seeing that a little bit of that maybe inner monologue.
0: So we see the big moment, and sort of the one of the iconic moments that you think about when you have Batman and Bane and their relationship, even mentioned in uh, Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. is that Batman gets his back broken by Bane. Yes. So this is it. You get to see this uh, this iconic moment in comic book history.
1: Cue uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, now, I mean, you've seen Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of impact, uh, did either one have more of an impact into you uh, narratively?
1: Well, probably this did because for part of Dark Knight Rises, I think I fell asleep. Oh, interesting! And I think Big fan of the movie. This part oh. I actually really enjoyed. No, I really enjoyed the movie. But here's the thing with me, Frank, that I think you know about me. But just in case anybody else listening, if I see a film, if I go to the movies after 8 p.m., I have to have coffee. I have to. I'm old enough now that if my body sits still in a dark place for longer than 20 minutes, whether it's a car or, like, well, I can drive, but if I'm, like, a passenger... I'm a terrible person to take on road trips, so I'm sitting still... For that much time I will fall asleep so now if I go and see a film but it, this it took me falling asleep at a lot of really decent movies to be like oh this isn't normal like I should so I have to go into the movie with so if I go at night I have to go in
0: with coffee if you go in I you check a matinee out you're totally fine
1: yeah I'm great at a matinee I'm perfect but uh, but this is not the only I mean I've, I also slept through in hindsight what was the majority of inside out which is a very bright, colorful, mm. fun movie. And I just, my body was like, oh, so dark, so warm. Because I freeze in movie theaters, so I always go in with like a sweatshirt. <laughs> and then I fall asleep because I'm so comfortable. Um, so it's really, what I'm trying to say is, one, I'm old. Two, it's not a, a reflection on the film. I just,
0: <laughs> my
1: body, my body. is telling me Yes.
0: Ooh! Look at you go. Uh, so Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think depending on if you've seen the film first and have never read these stories, uh, this will have. Probably, I don't know how how this will read to you. Uh, certainly, since I saw the, I mean, I read this issue back when it first uh, came out, and so seeing that was a shocking moment like, whoa, Mm. Batman just got you know, this guy just got the beat, then I got his back broken. Yeah, how's he gonna come back from this? So, very much iconic. And then when you see it in the movie, you're like, oh man, they're gonna reference this iconic moment that you've seen. So, Mm -hmm. interesting for I was just curious for somebody that had not read this first. And their first exposure to this story idea was in the film. Yeah. To see how this, knowing that that existed, how this kind of moment, does it lose some of its impact or like, oh, okay, I've, I knew this happened, so it's not as surprising.
1: Um, I, it still worked for me. It still was impactful for me in the book because I, I didn't remember the storyline quite as much, the timeline as much. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, I wasn't reading this thinking like, oh, I'm going to get to that point where Batman gets his back broken. So for me, I was like, "Oh, oh, right, that does happen," you know. I had to kind of think back to the film to be like, "Oh yeah, right, that does happen." Because for me, it's just a catalyst to get Liam Neeson in there.
0: Yeah, that's because right. Because I
1: love Liam Neeson.
0: <laughs> so
1: if he's in it, I'll see it.
0: Well, he's coming in Nightfall uh, Volume Two. So Liam Neeson as himself is in. Oh great! As yep. himself, yep. what are the odds? I know it's crazy. Oh, and <laughs> they like go to
1: him like, "Listen, Liam, you know that part you played in a comic book in the '90s? We're gonna need you to do that again on screen." <laughs> and he's like. Finally, I've got a very specific set of skills. Liam? Yeah. What?
0: What? Oh my God, he's here! Yes, Liam is here with us. Uh, what I do like is that after he gets his back broken, Bane takes him out to the middle of Gotham City and then uh, shows everybody that just beat the Bat, mm-hmm. and he throws him off from this from a very tall building. He's
1: such a dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, amazing. Uh, that's when you see like comic book physics. Like that's a, a humongous height that he yeah. gets get, he gets thrown from, and he's still alive, mm-hmm. battered and bruised, back broken, but Bruce Wayne is still alive, which is like. Really, it's a really good suit. Come on, mm-hmm. uh, but he's laid up, he's infirm, and uh, but the the Bat Batman still, the Gotham still needs a Batman, mm-hmm. and who can do that right now? But our boy, he's got a new haircut, so why not put him in the Batman suit, Jean Paul Valley, Jean Paul, and you, you get to see during just the, some of these uh, initial storylines as he takes over the mantle of the Bat that. Being Batman is not easy.
1: No, and anybody who thinks it is, is a fool.
0: Yes, and it starts getting to Jean-Paul Valley, which, as we see through the course of Night foul, what the mantle of being Batman does to a person, especially to Jean-Paul, mm. it doesn't turn out very well for him.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would, I, I think it's interesting, it, because he is not in the film. No. You know, so, but a part of me wonders, like, what would that have been like? You know? Yeah, I...
0: Yeah, it could have been interesting I to see how Christopher Nolan would have taken more of a realistic approach to this concept mm-hmm. and how that would have been. Because certainly his his outfit, a little bit more high-tech, a little bit goofier. So to see how you would have done my something brother like that. My hates it. It's, it is a goofy yeah. look. Even awesome. when it first came out. Because there was always like the thing like, oh my gosh, they're redesigning somebody's costume because mm-hmm. there's a new take of this. There's a new person as Batman. Yeah. And even this redesign of Batman's costume, I was never like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Never my, really sucked me in.
1: Austin texted me to be like, hey, are you reading Nightfall? And I said no, but I can't. He's like, I hate Israel's costume. That's pretty much like the follow up text that he sent me. Um, so he feels very strongly about the about
0: the costume. Well, uh, all mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It only gets uh, a little crazier as it goes on. So <laughs> Not really? Yeah, get, 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 get excited. He
1: like runs in a, into Doctor Strange, who's like, nice.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> got, dude. You got to get yourself an amulet on the front of that <laughs> thing, stat. Uh, So, I guess as we leave it right now, we see Jean-Paul, the the, the mantle of the Bat is starting to drive him a little bonkers. He's getting a little stressed out, getting a little more uh, overly vigilant as Batman was, losing that sense of kind of uh, compassion. And uh, we see Robin kind of realizing, uh uh-oh, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Mm. That's how we kind of leave Nightfall Volume 1. Now, uh, we're kind of coming towards the end of our episode. So, as we're talking about what we're in store for our next episode... Do we want to continue our reading of Nightfall and go to Volume Two, or would you rather take a break and do something else?
1: This was, it was really long, uh, and I <laughs> <laughs> that, that answers it. No, I you know I enjoyed it, and I think that I will continue reading it. But I think that we should discuss something else in our next podcast hmm, a interesting. Little, little palate cleanser how do you, you
0: know, feel I'm, I'm totally fine with that I mean I guess I kind of like the idea of like I know we both before we do uh, recommendations to each other mm-hmm. uh, for and the, but I felt like we never get a chance to really do either one uh, the full justice right but I kind of like the idea of like hey you recommended uh, one for me mm-hmm. uh, we talked about that one in depth and perhaps like next episode I'll recommend one and we can talk about that in depth
1: great did, so, did you have something in mind how
0: about a nice little palette cleanser we'll get away from the superheroes for a little bit uh, what about uh, Velvet? Because I know I've been talking to you about yeah, Velvet a lot. Yeah, okay. I've read, yes. I've
1: read Velvet, but not a lot of it. So I'd, hap- I'd happily read Velvet. Uh, and, I and I feel like, it. yeah,
0: it came down to, uh, it fit, I think it only went 15 issues and they finished up the run. So mm. at least for now, I think they're going to come back to the character. But this, this story arc okay. with uh, Ed, Ed Brubaker and uh, Steve Epting, okay. uh, he Has con- this story point has come to a close here. So don't know exactly when they're coming back. Velvet, but at least right now we've got a nice little story to talk about right okay, there. Okay,
1: great. So talk about the the first run of Velvet. Let's talk yeah. about the first 15 uh, issues.
0: Ooh! Ooh excited! excited. This be very cool, yeah. If you loved Captain America, the Ed Brubaker, Ed Brubaker Steve Epting run, they did about the first you know, 20, 35 issues of Captain America back. Uh, this is when Captain America got killed uh, during Civil War. Mm. Uh, it led to Bucky becoming Captain America for a little bit. Uh, he brought back Bucky, who was considered one of those characters that was... Uh, like dead and it mattered and he was never going to come back and Ed Brubaker figured out a way to bring him back and it was fantastic mm-hmm. uh, he did a lot of great stuff they went on from that to do Velvet here uh, for Image Comics and I think it's a really fun series
1: that's great cool
0: awesome so we'll talk about that in the next episode
1: let's do it as always if you guys uh, if you have any feedback anything you'd like us to discuss any thoughts that uh, we're happy to read them and cite you In the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Unless you don't want to be. Unless you don't. Just say, don't say who this says, but I think you suck. I'll be like, all right. um, Somebody says we suck. (laughs) It will be sad. I hope you don't think we suck. But uh, if you do, or if you think we're great, or if you just want to recommend something, you can um, hashtag noviceandfrank. um, Or you can find us each and and contact us directly on uh, all the social media things. Where can they find you, Frank?
0: You can find me at HappyGoJackie on the Twitters.
1: That's right. And personally, you can find me at Rights, comic book musings, at comic book Novice on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, look at that. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Come chat with us online. Let's do it. We're friendly people.
1: We're friendly enough.
0: Yeah, yeah enough. <laughs> I enough. think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, so- as always, to the Nerdist uh, Podcast booth for letting us in. Vanessa, thank you. Thank it's you. not
1: It's not Vanessa.
0: It's Valerie. No. No, wait. Victoria.
1: Victor- no, it's no. not that either. No, it's God. <laughs> I said at the beginning.
0: It's V-Town. No,
1: Veronica. 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 I knew My, it. You know why? Awful. Because I asked. Because I said, I'm going to call you Valerie, and that's not I, your name.
0: And I called her Vanessa, and I blew it. <sighs> now she's never coming back, Amanda. We've oh, done it. We've done it. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry Me Veronica. Too. we did it and Ryan her friend down from Seattle this is not the way to impress uh, somebody's friend that's alright make like hey it's we don't remember rush. her name <laughs> yep.
1: oh, uh, thank gosh. you so much thank you so much to Veronica
0: <laughs> yes for coming in <laughs> when and we and, cut and this <laughs> and edited it it'll sound like we had this all together that's right thank yes. you
1: guys so much for being here thank you for listening uh, and let's play ourselves out after you Rumpum with, with the to
0: and, and Frank. not <laughs>